Geek Vibes Live is rated G for Geek. Hey, this is Matt Lesher. This is Phil Lamar. Hey, this is Rodney Taylor, a.k.a. The Penguin Gotham, and you are listening to Geek Vibes Live. Welcome, 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 welcome to an all-new episode of Geek Vibes Live. I'm your host, as usual, Jawan, and I'm joined by a very special uh, panel tonight, starting with first time ever on Geek Vibes Live. AJ, what's going on, AJ? What is up? Uh, I'm doing good, living my best life. Just came from a podcast on our new Discord for Geek Vibe Nation, so guys would like to join that, y'all can. Other than that, I'm living my best life. Can't wait for the Mandalorian, all the Star Wars for tomorrow. I'm good. Yeah, I, I'm completely with you, man. I mean, tomorrow is just going to be a blur for me. Um, I won't answer phone calls. I won't answer messages. Um, I'll just be dead to the world all 24 hours of tomorrow. Um, but... <laughs> Um, also welcoming back to the show, our best friend Tia. What's going on, Tia? <laughs> How are you guys tonight? For some reason, even though I will admit I am dead tired, I'm super excited for this show. Um, so yeah, tomorrow, Mandalorian, Disney Plus, I feel like I finally got it pre-ordered and I didn't even have to wait that long. So yeah, I'm I'm pumped. <laughs> I cannot wait. I cannot wait. We are all on the same page. So before we get into all that deliciousness that is Disney Plus, let's start off with a little trailer talk. Uh, we got a trailer for The Invisible Man. Now, <laughs> this is funny because I saw a lot of people complaining about the acting, complaining about uh, it being, you know, the the scary premise and and, and a whole lot of stuff. Um, it's it's now become frustrating how much people just love to complain. Um, I mean, if you didn't like it, uh, I, I, I don't want to make you feel bad that, you know, you didn't like the trailer, but um, I just, I, I don't know how you really judge acting that well off of a trailer, uh, mainly because a lot of times the dialogue isn't even specifically from that exact scene that you're seeing. So the whole context, to be completely out of wax. Um, I just think it's not really fair, but T, I'm going to start with you because you loved the trailer. So walk me through your thoughts on The Invisible Man. Um, let me start first by saying it's funny that people are criticizing the horror aspect because The Invisible Man always was a horror character, perhaps when he was introduced in cinema back in way back when horror wasn't elevated to the way it is now, but he was always supposed to be a scary character. To me, I loved it. I love the take that they are going with. I think I wrote on Twitter, to me, what it is doing is, first of all, by really focusing on Elizabeth Moss's character, we're seeing this through her eyes, not necessarily through the 
title character's eyes. And it's uh, every, say, woman and, and partner's worst nightmare out there, right, to be in an abusive relationship thinking that you finally are free of said abusive relationship and then it's just taking a complete 180 turn and becoming, and it just, it's like a stalker on freaking steroids and she can never get away. I love the concept that uh, this was an abusive relationship and her finally feeling like she's free of it. Obviously not. Um, and the fact that everyone thinks that she's crazy and she's like, I'm not crazy. He's really still around. He found some way to make himself invisible. And maybe you could say that's really far fetched, but this is a horror movie. So it's going to be, uh, have a little bit of that aspect. We're talking about someone who can literally make themselves invisible. I love the spin on it. I, to me, it looks terrifying. I was completely sold the first time I even watched the trailer, and it really solidified to me how fantastic of an actress Elizabeth Moss is. So I'm pumped about it. When I saw all the negative comments, I thought to myself, did we watch the same trailer that I just watched? I didn't get at all that there was bad acting. To me, I thought this is going to be um, an elevated horror movie because it's going to be a thriller. You're going to be on the edge of your seat. And again, I feel like every person who may have had like, you know, that fear of a bad relationship or even just, I think that it could really touch upon those fears and really make for a fantastic thriller. So to me, I was completely sold seeing the trailer, and I'm really excited. And if this is what they're showing us for The Invisible Man, it makes me excited for the possibility of them, uh, you know, reviving this, uh, what, what was it called, the Dark Universe? Yeah. Yeah, to me, if this is how they're starting it off, it makes me really excited that we could get more of this universe and they could do it successfully. Yeah. I, I mean, I was just talking to Joelle about this a few weeks ago. I, I still think Dracula was very underrated. Um, I thought that movie was so good that I wish that that movie took place in the same world as Benicio Del Toro's Wolfman. Um, that's how much mm-hmm. I love both of those movies. Um, the fact that they were in two separate worlds and both worlds got axed before they could really get off the ground um, really hurt because I'm like, dang, that's how you do Wolfman. You make it super scary. You get great acting. It had um, Anthony Hopkins in it, Benicio Del Toro, and I'm forgetting who the, the female lead was. Um, just completely just went blank. But um, Dracula, um, that was freaking amazing. Luke Evans was so freaking good. Um, but yeah, I mean, the dark universe is something we always wanted, but what we didn't want was the Tom Cruise dark universe. No. <laughs> I, I always tell people every time I watch that movie, it's just, it's so misleading because you call it the mummy, but I swear you only see the mummy in like 15 minutes of that movie. So you're like, wait, is Tom Cruise the mummy? Who's the mummy in this movie? Like, where's the mummy? Um, so, I mean, this is a great start. Um, and I love it because, you know, the first thing I thought, Tia, I thought this was mm-hmm. you meets the dark universe. 
Like, picture if the guy from you was yeah. invisible. You know what I'm saying? Like, picture that, and, like, yeah. no one's believing that this guy, you know, this guy is the one doing all this crazy stuff. So, I mean, I, I loved it. I can't wait to see it. Um, and hopefully the studio can actually successfully start this dark universe. But it's going to start with us supporting uh, The Invisible Man. If that movie doesn't make any money, I could see the dark universe either becoming uh, a series somewhere um, or us just never getting it again. Um, so hopefully it all just pans out and we all don't support it. Um, but I'll AJ, go see this in the movies. Yeah, I'll go sorry. see this in the movies. No, I was just going to say, I'll go see this in the movies because this definitely seems like something that you want to watch in a dark theater, uh, hearing the surround sound and really just being present in the moment without any sort of distraction like how you would have at home. I just want to say, Geek Vibes Nation, all the listeners that are kind of like, oh, all right, well, Tia will see it in theater. No, that's a big deal because as Tia says (laughs) all the time, not just go to the theaters for anything. Um, so yeah. if he is going to go see this, it means a lot. Um, so, I mean, we, we need everyone to feel like that, Tia, um, and, and go out and support this movie so we can get an actual dark universe. Like, it, it's, it's mm-hmm. time. Um, but, AJ, what were your thoughts on the Invisible Man trailer? Okay. So the first time I watched this trailer was, like a minute before I watched Dr. Sleep, which was incredible, by the way. Um, I just thought, I just, everything that Tia said, I agree with. Um, I love the horror aspects of it, the the psychological thriller aspects of it. I, everybody's, I think everybody's number one, or, or sorry, almost everybody's number one fear is, is something that you can't see, regardless of what it is, if it's a human, okay. Um, if you go down in the basement in the dark, you're scared, you're nervous, anything. You're you're scared of what you don't see, and I like that concept a lot. And I feel like they're gonna do everything to make you feel horrified once you get out of this movie. And that's one thing that really excites me about the Invisible Man. But the other thing that <laughs> the other thing that I really wanted wasn't even to see this movie in the movie theater, it, my mind just went straight to, like, I want a Nosferatu movie. Um, I don't know why I just thought of this, but that was, like, one of my first thoughts. I was, like, where's the Nosferatu movie I want with Robert e- Eggers um, directing directing it? And now I don't know why. I just, I guess it just goes on the theme of the monster universe and all that, and even though it probably won't connect. But if this is successful, I hope that the monster or the dark universe is successful so we can get more monster universe, more monster movies like uh, not um, Frankenstein, Frankenstein's monster, um, wolf, goodness, uh, werewolf, um, Nosferatu, um, more invisible man. Just every, I just want everything to go according to their plan so we can grow and have more movies like these and more people need to go out and see horror movies I feel like because I feel like they're getting a little underestimated in the in the genres as, as of late so I really hope that the invisible invisible man does well 
Yeah, I, I, I'll I'll echo that. Horror movies. See, the the issue I think, uh, AJ, in my opinion, I think the stigma horror movies are starting to to feel is that if you ask someone the most, you know, what what horror movies have you seen lately? Like they would name you ones that you know someone like like the three of us would kind of go, no, that's not really what I would say is the definition of a horror movie. Like if I ask you, Hey, what's been your favorite horror movie in the past five years? And you tell me countdown, I'm saying no, like horror movies, like actual horror, like final destination is not a horror movie. And that's exactly what countdown is. Um, so I would want you to, to give me something better than that. And I think, people are seeing the same horror movies over and over and over. Um, like a thousand Annabelle's, a thousand um, Conjuring's. Even though I think they're all good, um, I think you're just getting an oversaturation of the same thing. So you need different things like Dr. Sleep. Um, and you need different things like Don't Breathe. You need things like that to just change the game for what horror means. Um, so, I mean, hopefully nice. it does. Go ahead. Not even that. Like I feel like for horror, we need to we need to go back to our go back to the basics of what horror actually is. Like, um, what's a the witch is considered a horror, but it's not really scary. Um, I feel like that we really need to go back to the basics, like Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween stuff like that. And I feel like. I feel like um the Invisible Man is for what the, at least at least with the trailer it looks like they're going back to the basics of what horror was back then and what gave us nightmares once we got out of the movies and I think that's what they're trying to pull off with this movie. See, but I I mean Nick probably got 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 inside my head for this idea, but I I like my horror movies to not to. I'd like them to not depend on jump scares. And that's what I loved about Dr. Sleep that we'll get into right after this, AJ. But it just didn't feel like there was a lot of jump scares. Like the the horror of it just felt natural. Um, it like it, it, Say it again? It makes, it's a blend. It mixes like the jump scares. Like it doesn't oversaturate the jump scares. But right. at, the same, at the same time, it, gave, it gives us that development and that fear without boo or ah at randomest times and just cheap gimmicks and all that that's why I, right. that's why um i like dr sleep a lot because it built that anticipation of that jump scare or whatever to make it more horrifying like i i remember when i saw scream for the first time one of the things i loved about it was like, I, I love scenes in horror movies where it builds up, like, something's about to happen, and then she turns the corner, and it's a cat, right? And then you're like, oh, phew. And then, boom, she turns around, and it's something right behind her, and then it stabs her. Like, when you do that, that's not a jump scare to me. That is suspense. Like, that's heightening suspense, because you, you built me up, right? And then I felt like, okay, it was just a cat. Cool. Like, she's going to just walk in the house now. And then, boom, she turns around. <laughs> pillars right there like that to me is is perfection of of what i enjoy in horror um so i mean like that is what i love but i'm sorry go ahead too no really quick well you know aj and you said going back to basics right 
The Invisible Man is a very old tale back in the days of cinema where you had, say, Dracula, Frankenstein, and yes, it's been a very long time since I've seen those movies, but I don't believe there were any jump scares in them. Uh, it was it was just, it was terrifying. It was horror. There was that slow suspense, even the slow reveal, and you still were terrified because you could feel it in the pit of your stomach. And if they could accomplish that with something, say, like The Invisible Man, um, I think you could really redefine but also go back to a horror that doesn't rely on cheap tricks. Like, I just saw that they're developing, apparently, a new paranormal activity. We don't need any more of that. To me, that's mindless uh, type of, you know, scary movies. But if you could really get down to, say, a psychological uh, route to horror movies, then you really have a great chance of creating a memorable experience. And I, I do want to preface it by saying I, I think there has been good uh, good horror movies that that are full of just pop-ups. Um, again, I will never let anyone's opinion ever sway me from thinking Drag Me to Hell is a, is a horror classic. It's in my top 15. Um, and that was purely jump scares. But, I mean, I, I think as the movie kind of grew, you kind of grew with the character, and then it kind of just felt like, Thank goodness this is over. She can get back to her life, and then boom. Um, I won't spoil it, but boom, something happens, and you're like, oh, my goodness. Um, and that's what I like. I like stuff like that. So to me, jump scares aren't necessarily bad. I mean, I look at jump scares the same way I assume certain people look at superhero movies. It's just an oversaturation of it. Like There's just too many jump scare movies um, and very few and far between. Uh, horror movies that are a callback to uh, you know the old days where you just you weren't making money off the idea of I'm gonna build this up and just scare the crap out of you and that's literally all we have to offer. Um, so I mean, hopefully Invisible Man um, feeds into that. But getting into our next topic, um, T, I'm not sure if you've seen Doctor Sleep. So me and AJ are gonna try our best not to spoil anything. Um, we're just going to give our short review of it, um, so you don't have to worry about us spoiling anything per se. But it's me, so there's a chance I might spoil it. Um, <laughs> Doctor Sleep came out, I think, last week or the week before. Um, last week, AJ, or the week before? Last week. Last week, okay, good, good, good. Um, now, I didn't, I, I told myself. Two days ago, actually, yeah, last week. Oh, two, two days ago, specifically, thank you. Um, I told myself about two weeks ago I would rewatch The Shining, um, you know, before I saw this movie, and I didn't get around to doing so. And I'm kind of glad I didn't, kind of upset I didn't. I'm upset I didn't because a lot of the people that you saw towards the end of the the movie, when they went back to where it all began, um, I couldn't remember any of them. Like, I was like, who is that? Who is that? Who is that? Um, so that's why I regretted it. And what I enjoyed that I didn't see it is because I, I felt like I got the experience of the house all over again, um, or the, the hotel or mansion, whatever that thing is. Um, but I got the feel of it again, and I got the goosebumps from it again. I got scared from it again. 
Um, but this was a really, really, really good movie. Like, I have no bad things to say about it, except for the fact that I, I need a sequel to it. I mean, <laughs> if they don't give me a sequel, that's the only bad thing I have to say, um, because it'll be a disappointment. This movie, I think, is making a, a good amount of money. It's tracking very well. Um, but the performance, like, it's very rare I see a movie where someone of Ian, uh, Ian Mc, McGregor's um, caliber is alongside, um, what do you call it? Sorry, is alongside a, a kid. And I was blown away by the kid more so than the Ewan McGregor. She was so freaking good. Um, like, she should teach a class of, of acting to other kids. Like, we need more kids to act like that and less like Disney Channel. Like, act like her. She's great. <laughs> um, but, no, it was just – it was such a great ride. Um, and Rebecca Ferguson, she does not get – she doesn't get talked about enough. She needs to be talked about more. Like, I fell in love with her in Mission Impossible, and I fell in love with her again in this. I love that woman. Um, Tia, I'll say this. I think I love that woman more than I love Ben Affleck. And that's saying a lot. Wow. Like a lot. <laughs> I love this woman. Uh, but AJ, I'm sorry. I could talk about Rebecca all day. I'm going to go to you. <laughs> Your thoughts um, on Dr. Doctor Sleep. Like, how, how did you like it? Okay. So, um, a, a friend at work asked me um, if he should go see it, even though he doesn't remember The Shining. And I, and I put it this way: you don't need to see The Shining to understand Doctor Sleep, but if you do, if you did watch it and you understand the references that was in The Shining, I feel like you're gonna have a better experience in Doctor Sleep. So, like. Doctor Sleep as a sequel is perfect for me at least. It's perfect, but as a standalone, you can watch. You don't have to watch The Shining at all. Um, as a standalone, it is an amazing movie on its own. Um, like you said, like you said before, the mansion or the hotel, yeah, it'll give you shiver. It'll it'll remind you of The Shining. And one of the things that I did love about this is it brought back those experiences for me, and it even expanded it even expanded on those experiences as well. Not even just like the end the um the end scenes or like the last quarter of the movie. It it just felt like it just felt like um I was watching The Shining all over again. And adding more things to that movie, um, adding more to that experience, um, adding the powers, or they already had the powers, but adding more explanation to the powers and making it easy to understand how it works and why. I'm not going to spoil anything, but for me, acting-wise, for me, Rebecca Ferguson was the biggest standout for me, at least. Um, I don't know how to pronounce the girl's name. Um, I got it. Kelly Curran. Kylie Curran. Uh, uh, I wanted to go. look it up to, to give her, um, to, to say her name, to give her proper credit. I don't want to keep saying that girl or that, you know, yeah. that little chick mm-hmm. or whatever. She so Kylie, yes. Kylie Curran, who, by she, the way, is 13 years old. 
And she was on top, too. She was like, she was my second favorite in that movie. It was her and Rebecca Ferguson. Ewan McGregor was incredible, too, but it just speaks volumes that Rebecca Ferguson and Kyle, I don't don't know how to say it again, I'm sorry, but, and her, (laughs) I think, (laughs) is better than Ewan McGregor in this movie, even though I love Ewan McGregor in this movie. Um, I'm going to be yeah, honest I, with you. The, yeah. the moment I saw you and McGregor, all I could see is Obi-Wan. But after that yeah, moment you, was done, after that moment was done, I was like, yes, I love him. Um, <laughs> the mo- the um, moment when you see <laughs> the moment where he had his head like in the door, where you remember the scene in The Shining where he says, here's Johnny. Um, that scene, yeah. that, all I was thinking was like, Hello there. <laughs> so I was like, the only, <laughs> I was the only one laughing for no apparent reason, and everybody was just looking at me like I was a dumbass. Um, but other than that, I thought he was incredible. Um, like I said before, the build on the mythology was beautifully um done. Um, I hope they do another um content uh, do a continuation to Doctor Sleep because I just want this. I just want this franchise to keep going. <laughs> Not like the Marvel movies, but at least one more movie for me, at least. So yeah, I, I just love one more. Movie. Just one more, and I'd like you to space it out maybe a few years. Um, not not years as in like five to ten years as in one to five to to allow Kaylee to get a little older. Because um, I would like the story to kind of take place to where she gathers her own group. Um, and starts to, uh, instead of doing what Rebecca's character did, which isn't really a spoiler, I think you could really get that from the trailer, but instead of being what Rebecca's character was, which was pretty much being the evil side, um, I would love for Kaylee's character to kind of teach newcomers um, and kind of build a a little team of of her own. Um, And I'd be curious, do you know who I want to see, AJ, if they do a sequel to this as the new bad guy? because he would just be freaking flawless. I'd love to see Benicio Del Toro um, be the new bad oh. guy, um, because he could just do haunting so well. Um, and I think he'd be a perfect replacement for Rebecca Ferguson's character. Um, yeah. It'd just be fla- it would be a flawless transition. And we know that Ewan McGregor... Um, if I say any more about Ewan McGregor, it'll be on spoiler territory. So let me just say this. Tia, cover your ears. Everyone listening, small spoiler alert. It's a pretty big one, but whatever. Um, so step away if you don't want to hear this. Fast forward a little bit. Give you a second. Uh, da, 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 da. Okay. Um, I assume Ewan McGregor's character would return in the same capacity that we saw that guy at the beginning um, for his character. You know what I'm saying, AJ? Yeah. Yeah. So like he yeah. would be kind of her, her leader. Not leader, but kind of like her her motivator, her protector, um, but on a more spiritual level. Um, so, I mean, I, 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 <laughs> I can't wait. I cannot wait to see or, or pretty much to get a confirmation that they're going to continue this. And like you said, it doesn't need to be like Marvel. I don't need a universe of it, even though I wouldn't be upset if, that, if Kylie's character got her own universe. I wouldn't really argue. Um, but just one more. Just, just one more to kind of round it off. 
to where he kind of gives a goodbye to her the same way that the guy gave a goodbye to him. Um, and we just see her, you know, kind of carry on the the tradition going forward. But AJ, last thing before we move on so we can get Tia back on here. There, there were two scenes that I thought were just the epitome of just the coolest thing I've ever seen. And it wasn't even like a visual or anything. When Young was, what was his name? Andy, right? Uh, Ewan McGregor's character? Yeah. Okay. When Young Andy went in the bathroom and then just closed the door, pretty much just showing us like, oh, he's about to, he's about to take care of his, his own demons. I was like, all right, that kid's pretty tough. Then when I saw uh, Abra, I think was, was her name, but I think they pronounced it differently, but whatever. When Kylie's character, it was Abra. Okay. When she went into the bathroom and closed the door, I was like, yo, I need a sequel now. Like, she seems like she's even more in tune with her powers than she was before. Um, so just picturing how much stronger she could possibly get is insane. Um, but I, I think both of us agree we love the movie, AJ. We suggest everyone go out there and see it. We didn't spoil anything for you. There's so many more cool things in that movie. Um, the make visuals, sure you guys by the way, the visuals, by the way, are, is magnificent. Like the the cinematography, the camera work was brilliantly done. I think it's one of the standouts for me. I agree, and I I just love their form of communication, uh, with the chalkboard. Oh, yeah. I just, so many things in that movie. I was just like, wow, they really did this. I also, before we we move on, want to give a huge shout out to. Give me one second. I'm trying to bring it up. Mike Flanagan. Um, he, alongside Stephen King, wrote this movie, and he also directed it. Mike Flan- Flanagan, um, what an amazing job I feel as though he did. Uh, again, no bad things to say about this movie. Really, really, really had a lot of fun with it. So listen to me and AJ. Go out and see this movie um, before the years or before Star Wars hits theaters and you completely forget anything else exists. Um, so also, go out and support also, also, Go ahead. Um, if you have doubts on this movie, at least go watch Hush and Gerald's Game. Watch those movies. I think you'll change your mind and you will want to go see Dr. Sleep. Very fair. Listen to AJ. Trust me, I do. So listen to AJ. Um, but all right. So make sure you guys, like I said, go support um, Dr. Sleep. But all right, let's move on. All right, so this one I was very excited to do. I don't think Tia really understood why I put this in the topics, but bear with me, Tia, because I'm going to start with you. So in 2021, we have Spider-Man 3, Thor 4, Doctor Strange 2, Shang-Chi, The Batman, Black Adam, John Wick 4, and if I am not mistaken, also The Suicide Squad. Um, That is going to be possibly... If you're a geek, that is your year. <laughs> like you don't get any bigger, like any bigger scale wise than 2021. So my question for you, Tia, since it's been a while since you've you've been talking, I want to give you a twofold. All right, which out of those movies, and if you guys know of any other movies that I might have missed, by by all means, throw it in there. Um, but what movie out of that list are you looking forward to the most? And then my question to you is, you just have to pick one. 
Which one of those movies do you think will have the biggest box office success? Oh, Lord. Uh, <laughs> I have to do a tie because I'm most excited for Thor, Love, and Thunder, and also The Suicide Squad. I can't pick between the two of them. They're probably the ones that I am the most excited for in 2021, uh, just because duh, I love Thor Ragnarok and the fact that we're getting another Taika Waititi directed Thor is just freaking amazing and as you know I was a fan of the first Suicide Squad so the fact that we have a James Gunn led Suicide Squad with an even bigger cast um, and everything that they seem to be planning for it just gets me so freaking pumped but I will say that I think that you said uh, John Wick 4 is coming out right? Yes. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's going to do the best in the box office just because Keanu Reeves and people love the John Wick franchise. So if I have to guess out of all of those, even though all the other ones were, you know, either Marvel or DC, I believe that John Wick 4 will probably do the best. If not, then Spider-Man 3. Those are going to be the two that I'm going to pick. And I know that you said I could only pick one, but rules were meant to be broken, so... (laughs) Oh, absolutely. I break them all the time on this show. So, I, I mean, I was not holding you to, to, to only one. But I did want, want to play around with the idea of because it's so packed, like if you could only pick one. Because, I mean, if we're being honest, all of these movies I named have star power. And if they don't have star power, they have continuity power. Um, so, I mean, all of these movies yeah. are going to make a crap ton of, of money. So I don't think that's to be debated. I'm just curious on what you guys thought would make the most money. And I'm actually going to go with, and sure, you could say this is biased. I, I have no arguments against that. But the Batman. But my reasoning of it is is because we haven't had a solo Batman movie in so long. Uh, I know everyone's going to go, well, the Dark Knight trilogy. Yeah, but think about when the Dark Knight trilogy came out. It wasn't, it wasn't, Two years ago wasn't five years ago. I it think like we're almost. Ago. Yeah, I was about to say. I think we're close to a decade out. Um. So I mean, you know, to me, it's like people love Batman. <laughs> they just do. Um. So people, wow. 2012 is when the Dark Knight Rises came out. 2012. That's what I'm so yeah. it's nearly going to be. 10 years. The only reason why I say Spider-Man 3 is because of the controversy between Disney and Sony. I feel like that too could be a driving force, but considering how well the Joker did and the fact that the Batman seems to be taking more of, say, that artistic, uh, you know, turn that Joker may have, not, you know, necessarily completely 100%, but I think considering everyone's just so interested in this movie and the cast, you're right. It it probably is going to dominate. Yeah, and what's funny is I believe it comes out in June. So if it does come out in June, if I'm not mistaken, let me look. I think I, I have <clears throat> Excuse me. I have it up here. I think Spider-Man comes out in July. So you have Shang-Chi in February. Doctor Strange in May, Spider-Man in July, 
and Thor November 5th. So you're talking about Doc Strange swallowing up May. Now, again, so many different things could come out um, in May, but you assume Doctor Strange eats up May. So then it becomes a question of can the Batman eat up all of June into July before Spider-Man comes out and Spider-Man just swallows up the rest of the summer? Um, so I mean, we don't even know. Yeah, exactly. We don't even know when um, the Suicide Squad officially comes out or Black Adam. Um, so I mean, you know, because a lot could change. I don't want to. I don't really depend on the schedule that they give now. I I, I wait till filming's over. Um, but yeah, I mean, all of these are gonna make money, but there's no way the Batman doesn't just outpace all of them unless the movie is just god awful. <laughs> like that's the only way I see that movie. Um, but AJ, I'm going to pass it over to you. What what do you think will make the most money, and uh, what are you looking forward to the most out of those movies? Uh, uh, <laughs> I am between Doctor Strange and uh, I'm going to say Doctor Strange and Spider-Man. The reason why I choose these two is because there are Marvel movies, and Marvel movies are known to make over a billion dollars. Um, doesn't matter what it is, the just the IP of it, just it, over a billion dollars for sure, for sure. I, so I'll go with Doctor Strange um, into the into the multiverse of madness. Um, I think that's going to make the most money. And what was your other question? Which one am I most excited for? Yeah. Oh, the Batman. Um, just the <laughs> the cast of it. Um, not even just the cast, the crew. Um, what we have, we have Matt Reeves directing it. We have um, not came hot. What is it? Is it Hans Zimmer that's doing the score? Uh, I think. Hold on. Keep keep talking. Hold on. Um. We have, oh my God! Now I'm drawing a blank. Um. Anyway, let's go back to um Doctor Strange real quick. Um, just because of the pure visuals, um, everybody loves Doctor Strange as a character. Okay, I shouldn't say everyone. Almost everyone loves Doctor Strange <laughs> as a character. Um. But that those visuals, um, I think it's one of the one of the few movies that everybody loves in 3D, uh, at least the first Doctor Strange, so I'm not sure if they're going to... Wasn't it shot in 3D? I'm not entirely sure on that one. But... Um... Yeah. Well, and the fact that it's going to be... Isn't it being proposed as a pseudo-horror movie? They're saying yeah, this is going to be like so a first horror yeah, I got I got it up for you, uh, AJ. So the music is actually going to be done by Michael Giacchino. Yes, yes, um, yes, who also who also did um Planet of the Planet of the Apes with um Matt Reeves. So those two right. together, I am very happy with um, visual effects. Um, supervisors Dan Limon, I think is his last name, and he. It's basically everybody that's 
worked on Dawn and War of the Planet of the Apes that's helping with the Batman. And if you watch those movies, you can tell, like, the visual aspects, the cinematography, the score, everything, the mood, it just feels like a Batman movie altogether if you watch those Planet of the Apes movies. And you can just tell that Matt Reeves is going to do this justice no matter no matter what other people say on Twitter or Instagram. Yeah, they're just hateful people and they don't they don't enjoy life at all. Um, <laughs> I want to touch on um, the cinematographer real quick for the Batman. Um, Greg Frazier, I think is his last name, who did Zero Dark Thirty, Foxcatcher, Rogue One, which are all beautifully shot. Also Vice, I thought was incredible. So everything on the technical level, I think will be probably one of the best things that will happen in 2021. And if it doesn't get an Oscar, I'm going to be upset. Yes, I'm saying that even though I haven't watched the movie. I am putting everything. I will bet $1,000 <laughs> that this will get nominated. Hopefully win. I'm not going to go that far, but the Batman is is my most anticipated movie of the next decade. I'm going to say that. <laughs> AJ, I don't blame you for that, honestly, because it's exciting. All of the, the news that is surrounding the Batman, uh, as you said, I don't think you know, this may sound very kind of like ignorant because obviously it takes a village to make a movie, including say who the um, what you calls it, who is behind the scenes. But everyone is so focused on the Batman, not just on say the casting, but who is behind the scenes. And it's fantastic that say people like you are excited alone on who the cinematographer is who's behind the music, and all of that goes into making a fantastic film. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I also want to point out that the same cinematographer is doing The Mandalorian and Dune in 2020. So, (laughs) just pointing that out there. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, I, I don't need much convincing to uh, about the Batman. I mean, I, saying the Batman is all the convincing you need for me. <laughs> um, but if I'm just going down what we have so far, so Robert Pattinson, obviously, Zoe Kravitz, Andy Serkis, rumored for Alfred, Paul Dano is the Riddler, um, Colin Farrell, rumored as the Penguin, Jeffrey Wright confirmed as Commissioner Gordon, and we just got Jamie Lawson, who, according to reports, <clears throat> excuse me, is playing a character named Bella, a grassroots political candidate uh, running for office in Gotham. Tia, what are your thoughts on our newest casting? Oh, first of all, I'm sorry. Let me also add that Jamie Lawson is fresh out of Juilliard School and an up-and-coming actress who just landed possibly her biggest role or one of them. Because um, I'm pretty sure Matt Reeves wanted her. She's going to have a great career. Um, but your thoughts on the new casting for the Batman? 
First of all, before I start, I mean, this is probably every young actress's dream. And this is no shade on, say, like someone like Jennifer Lawrence is just the first example that pops up in my head. Her, like, what first thing was a commercial for, like, Super Sweet 16 on MTV. And then you compare that to someone like Jamie Lawson, where her first gig is going to be in the frickin' Batman. That's huge. I mean, this young woman must have blown Matt Reeves away for him to just say, yeah, this girl may just be fresh out of Juilliard and has done a few onstage performances through Juilliard, but I want her in my movie. That just makes me super intrigued. As far as, say, the casting goes, I'm hoping it's one of those things where it's almost a lie. You know, where it's a very generic, you know, oh, she's Bella. Okay. Um, because I'm really thinking, you know, why are we making, say, such a big deal out of this, right? You know, she's just a pretty much a fresh person out of Juilliard, and she's playing this politician character or whatever. To me, I don't see why the reports would flock to that as much. To me, I'm almost thinking, what if, Matt Reeves is just trying to hide the fact that he brought this girl on to be that girl. Now, I know, Juwan, you said that you are not so eager to, say, get the Bat family right away, but this could be one of those things where, you know, Matt Reeves is doing a trilogy. So we may not get her as that girl in the first movie, but he's introducing this character, getting you familiar with her face so that at some point, perhaps, within his three movies, then he introduces her as Batgirl. That's just kind of my leading theory on it. Um, but I think, again, I think it's really cool. I'm sitting there in awe, like, good for you. That's fantastic. You probably went into Juilliard thinking to yourself, okay, I'm doing this, getting my studies, and obviously I'm going to have to, you know, work the grind for years to come, take the little roles as they're thrown to me, and then, you know, maybe after 10 years, then I can get something like this. No, no, she's getting it right out of school. <laughs> so, I mean, like, you, you got to be, like, just applaud the girl and be super excited because you have to imagine that she's probably sitting there pumped as hell. Hopefully, <laughs> unless she's just like, eh, at least this is a big role that I can, you know, cut my teeth on. Yeah, I mean, to to clarify, because we were having this conversation to the listeners, we were having this conversation during pre-production, but um, it's, you guys know I'm a huge Batman fan, Bat Family fan, so to see the Bat Family is never an issue for me, but what I don't like in a form of a movie um, is for you to tell me I'm getting multiple villains, even though maybe some of the villains play a very small role. So I, I'll throw that out there. Um, there's also rumors we could be getting Robin. Uh, maybe not exactly him as Robin, but him as just Dick Grayson. Um, and then the idea of Barbara Gordon being in there. It's just like you're, you're introducing too many characters at once. And you don't have to. Um, like, honestly, all you'd have to do, because I know Warner Brothers desperately wants to do a Supergirl and um, Batgirl movie. 
Like, they want to do that. They really, really, really want to do it. Um, so, to me, I'd be fine if you just – if Gordon just mentioned, like, you know, what do you need, Bruce? Like, I'm missing my daughter's, you know, whatever. Um, and then, boom, we know Barbara exists. And then we could see Batman maybe in the the sequel – um, you know, maybe see that he's starting to, uh, what, what would you, what is the correct word? Um, not influence, but, uh, you know, he's starting to become more of a like polarizing, not necessarily a mentor, just like, like Barbara watches him on TV a lot. Maybe she was with her dad when her dad met up with Batman. So she just really idolizes the guy. Um, and then she kind of spins off into her own movie and we see her become Batgirl, and then we see her come into the Batman world, specifically interacting with Batman. But what I don't want is for you to kind of crowd your plate, because what I want everyone to remember is Reeves is saying this Batman has been in in commission for a few years, right? So that means he's brand new to us. So you're already trying to get us to understand this Batman on top of understanding the villains, and I don't want you to crowd it with us now having to get to know Robin and then getting to know Batgirl. Um, it just kind of seems like it's too much unnecessary pressure. Um, but, I mean, knowing Warner Brothers, if Batgirl or, or Barbara is in this movie, it's purely to let you know that they're ready to do a, a spinoff um, with Barbara Gordon. But I wouldn't be against it. I'm just saying, like, it's our first Batman movie. Let's get Batman understood first. Um, and then you can have an end credit scene of Dick Grayson or an end credit scene of Barbara Gordon, and I'd be totally fine with that. Um, but um, I'll pass it to you, AJ. Your thoughts on the casting. And then any response to what me and Tia were saying about Batgirl possibly, uh, the idea of, of Batgirl possibly being in the Batman. Okay, so we all... We all know that all these villains are going to be in the movie, but we have no idea how they're going to be used. Um, for all we know, it's just going to be like a brief cameo for like, what, a good minute or so. So um, I always, you guys all know me. I'm always on Twitter talking to people, sorry, arguing to people, <laughs> debating <laughs> um, about, especially on the Batman I remember a time where everybody was like, oh, the Batman's not going to be made. It's never going to be made because there's no news about the Batman for like a good like seven months. I was like, it's going to be made. It hasn't been canceled yet and so on and so forth. Um, now there's an argument that Matt Reeves is, um, what is it called, stuffing his movie with villains and all these other characters. But all in, all, in all we don't know what the script is like, how he's introducing these characters. Like Juwan said, they can be minor roles, they can be deep roles, but it all depends on how Matt Reeves uses these characters. Um, so we can have new Batman. It, I guess it just depends on how the mythology of Batman has changed a little bit or a lot, just depending on how it's made. Uh, we all know that some of the best comic book movies aren't straightly directed from all the greatest comic book movies like um, Logan or Days of Future Past. They're not straight copies. They're just adaptations and 
they just take like bits and pieces out of them to make a better story for their movie. And so, what is it? Um, Colin Farrell is um, Oswald Cobblepot. Um, goodness, um, I've seen people complain that that's not their that's not their penguin. Um, first off, there's multiple iterations of the penguin. There's multiple iterations of Batman, multiple iterations of Catwoman. So, saying I just don't like saying that's not the comic book version and all that. And it's it's an annoying debate that I always have and people don't understand. Um, it, it's funny you say that, EJ, because, like, <laughs> to anyone still thinking that, I would remind you that everyone loved Hugh Jackman's Wolverine, right? There was nothing accurate about his his Wolverine mm-hmm. other than the fact that his hair was, was iconic, was, you know, close to the iconic look, and claws came out of his hands. Those are the only things that really let you know that he was Wolverine. Um, you know, and other than the fact that he just got the dialogue just down packed of, of how Wolverine sounded, his grunts, his, you know, when, when he sniffs, stuff like that. But go look at Wolverine in the comics. He was like my height and on a yellow and blue <laughs> costume. So, I mean, like, we have to get over the idea of, of wanting what we see in the comics because you know what I think spoiled it? I think Marvel spoiled it. I think if you look at what, maybe 25% of the MCU, it's comic accurate. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's almost ripped right out of the comics. Um, so I think fans just kind of like, well, they, they're able to do it. Why can't you? And it's like, cause I don't want to, I want to make something in my image. Um, and and I, I don't have a problem with that. My my issue usually with that is is just making it pure. Like just make it something that I now think is the new normal. Um, like if anyone played the Telltale games of Batman, that uh, the Penguin there wasn't a short fat guy. He was definitely a good looking skinny guy um, who grew up with Bruce. So it's like there's different iterations of the Penguin. He doesn't have to be the short fat dude. Um, and you're not telling me that Colin Farrell can't act circles around that role. Um, so, I mean, who knows? But I, I'm just excited for whatever Reeves gives me. But I'm sorry. See, uh, I think, I'm sorry, I go think ahead. people have – I think people are having, like, they don't really understand, like, the difference between having the essence of a comic book movie and being comic book accurate, basically. Like – I don't think people really think they want a comic book accurate movie. They just want the essence of it. But I feel like those two things are like neck and neck. It's basically almost the same thing, but it really isn't. Like having the essence of a comic book movie doesn't mean, um, what is it? Having the essence of a comic book movie doesn't mean like, oh, it's, what the Batman is going to be like an adaptation of the Long Halloween, so it might have the essence of the Long Halloween, but it's not going to be a direct copy of the Long Halloween. And I think it's just, I think people just get a little confused on like the differences between the two. Pretty much, AJ fans don't know what they want, so they get it, and then once they get it, they <laughs> yeah. complain about it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just it, it, it's it's how the world works, unfortunately. I always, but I always say your opinion doesn't matter until you see the movie. So hey, 
I mean, because you can't tell me you hated it. What did you hate? You didn't see anything. <laughs> like, you didn't even start filming. What, what are you hating? Like, that was the funniest thing I kept seeing on Twitter when they were talking about uh, Andy Serkis being rumored. Oh, I hate that. How? He didn't even get the role. saying <laughs> he's rumored for it. What are you hating? So, I mean, I, 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 will, I will say this. It, that used to be me. And then I, I started to motto everything by saying, I'll wait till the trailer. Like, when I see the trailer, I get an idea of what I'm supposed to be expecting from the movie. So if I hate the trailer, I, it's a pretty good chance I'm probably not going to like the movie. Um, but at least I have footage to complain about. You're complaining about a casting, not you, AJ, but like people. <laughs> but you're complaining yeah, about a casting. You didn't even see it yet. So it's like... I you're complaining before anything is actually manifested. So you're just wasting air. Like it's literally all you're doing because Basically. it could come out tomorrow that it's, it's false. Andy Serkis and Colin Farrell, neither one of them are in the movie. And now look at you, you just wasted all that air for nothing. Um, so <laughs> that, that's, that's the biggest head scratcher. Like why are you complaining about a casting? Let it manifest. See him, in the essence of Penguin, and then see if you feel the same. And if you do, okay, no problem. But at least I could respect it because you saw something. It wasn't just you complaining about um, the idea of it. Um, but yeah, so let, let's move on because I could I could talk Batman all day and uh, make fun of idiots all day. But anyway, Tia, I wanted to actually <laughs> kick it to you. Um, Apple TV renewed all four of its hit shows, but I wanted you to talk a little bit about the one you you were excited for the most, only because I don't think it's been getting enough attention. Um, Tia, do you, do you know what I'm talking about? I mean, I do know what you t- you're talking about, but I should say as a disclaimer, I've actually not seen this show yet because I don't actually have Apple TV+. Plus, but... I am very excited that For All Mankind got renewed along with the other uh, original series that have got renewed for a second season. Um, quick interjection, I did see that Joel Kinnanen right now is currently filming the second season For All Mankind while simultaneously filming his scenes for The Suicide Squad. So the man's ping-ponging back and forth right now. But Yeah, I think when you talk about, say, the Apple TV shows, you're obviously talking about the morning show. You're talking about the Jason Momoa show, C. Um, What is the other one that I can't think of right now? The the newsroom or something like that? It was with Jennifer Aniston and uh, Reese Witherspoon? That's the morning show. Oh, the morning show. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Are you talking about the one with Haley Steinfeld? Yes. Which one is that again? Uh, I think it's Dickinson. Dickinson. Yeah. Yeah. So that one as well. So obviously everyone uh, is super excited for the morning show because you have Jennifer Anson and Reese Witherspoon and Steve Carell. C, obviously, because Jason Momoa is right there. But I really like the concept of For All Mankind because of the fat way that they are kind of diverting uh, off of, say, a specific moment in history and going their own route, which I always think is, like, super interesting for them to do. 
Um, and the fact that you have all these female astronauts involved, I think, is really cool. And, of course, you know I'm a big fan of Joel Kinnaman. I know that people are not the biggest fan of him based on a lot of the movies that he's done. He's not had, say, great box office success. I just think that's because maybe he's just not as picky as he should be about the movies that he's in. He'll kind of take anything, but I think that he is wildly talented and that clearly, uh, you know, the network or studio, whatever, saw potential in the show that they renewed it for a second season. And because it is super important to have a show where you are featuring female astronauts, because I think even still to this day, if you think of astronauts, you're going to think of male astronauts. So it is really cool that they are kind of touching upon that, especially considering our space program is expanding right now. So I'm really excited for this, and I know that I definitely have to get or at least try out Apple TV to check out For All Mankind and also the Jason Momoa. It's just so weird calling it I wish they would have called it something different, like Jason Momoa's luscious hair or something like that, you know? <laughs> but <laughs> listen, I was talking to Juwan about this and the fact that neither of us have Apple TV, and I was saying, oh, I want it for the Joel Kinnaman show. And he was like, well, I obviously want it for the Jason Momoa show. So, you know, we're both on, you know, kind of the same page, but different pages at the same time. And now one of four is a Haley Steinfeld show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, it's funny because we we always pick on Kanan about it. He he felt very strongly about his dislike um, for Haley Steinfeld. And when I say dislike, I don't mean like Kanan was like, oh, I hate her. I mean more so like he kind of feels as though she's overrated. But what I always laugh about when he says that is, Whoever talks about Haley Steinfeld enough for you to think she's overrated, Kanan? Like, I, I literally I enough to, people in his life. I think <laughs> I talked enough for a thousand people, hey. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, to me, it's like I, I don't hear her mentioned enough. And, and I'm not saying I don't think she's a good actress. I thought in um, that Western movie, I can't think of the name of it, but I thought she outacted Jeff Bridges, Matt Damon, and um, – uh, Josh Brolin. I thought she outacted all of them. I thought she was easily the best actor in that that whole movie. Um, so I always thought Haley Steinfeld could act. Are you much True Grit? Yes. Yep. Yes, I am. Thank you. True Grit. Um, I thought she just acted circles around that cast. Um, she was easily the standout. But um, yeah. I mean, I I really enjoy Haley Steinfeld. I just think she needs to do more roles like True Grit. Um, to better showcase her acting. And I think the show she has on Apple TV will, will help with that. Um, I love but yeah. Edge of 17. Yes, Edge of 17 was great too. Yeah, that, that was the one where Woody Harrelson is like her teacher or something, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, so, I mean, we always just, I, I brought it up because anytime someone mentions Haley Seinfeld, like you could just hear Kane and go, ugh. And it's like, what is your problem? Um, so I had to bring that up. It's a little shot to Cannon, but um, yeah, I I just want to see beautiful Jason Momoa. I mean that that that's it. I I don't hide that at all. I just want to see that beautiful man. Uh, I don't even care about his acting. Sometimes I watch his stuff on mute. Just I just want to see Jason Momoa. It's cool. Um, that's just like a Me too. 
But um, yeah, no, we, we are excited. Sorry, we got a little off topic. We are excited that the shows have already been renewed. Um, it seems like these will be the core shows for Apple TV, which is cool. I mean, which which is great. I mean, you got some heavy hitters in these shows. Um, so let this be what carries you. I do think at some point Apple is going to need to have a element of fantasy. Um, and I know people are like, well, isn't C with, with the fantasies? No, not that. I think you need to have something superhero-wise um, to kind of help because everyone else does. Like everyone else that's coming out with a streaming platform um, seemingly has it. So if you're, if you're Apple TV, find it. Find it, put it on there. Because I'm telling you, it'll do nothing but help. Um, or get Martin Scorsese to do a movie for you. I mean, one of the two. You get one of the two. Um, but all right, let's move on. <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, I did oh, want to I'm say sorry. really quick. They do have a movie coming out. Uh, the one with um, Samuel Jackson and Anthony Mackie and Nicholas Holt. Um, oh, God, what is it called? The Banker or something like that? So Apple already has, say, movies coming out. And it's kind of crazy that they're such a new streaming platform, but they already have, say, all of these projects kind of waiting for the right moment to drop. So, I mean, these are huge names. The fact that your first movie is going to have, uh, you know, such big heavy hitters in it, and I'm completely throwing shade right now, but that movie looks better than, say, like 99% of any Netflix original movie. I'm sorry, but The King was incredible. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. I'm sorry, AJ. So I can't crit- I said 99%. I didn't say 100%. Okay. Yeah, I mean, look. <laughs> I um I am a huge Timothy Chalamet fan, um uh AJ. So I I've started The King. Um I, I have not finished it yet because it's just been so busy, but I cannot wait to finish that movie. I am a huge fan of his. I'm actually so big of a fan of his. I I actually was saying how if they were going to do Dick Grayson, I'd want Dick Grayson to already be an adult. I like have him already I be think an adult. Should be Jason Todd. I think you should be Jason Todd. See, I don't, I, I don't, I don't like that. I, I want, I don't. Now that I think about it, like for years I've been saying I wanted Under the Red Hood live action. I wanted Jason Todd. I honestly, I, I don't, I don't. I kind of would like it if you expanded to where you did, um, Dick Grayson, um, uh, Barbara Gordon. And then I would actually like you to to do Batwoman, even though we're getting her in the show. I would love Batwoman in the live action. I would love Batwing in the live action. I would love Tim because Tim never gets any love. Throw Tim in there. Um, are you, are so you watching cool. Titans right now? Are you caught up with yeah. Titans? Yeah. I think Jason Todd in Titans season two is honestly the best thing that's in Titans right now. I forgot his name, but I can't agree with you because Slade is easily the best thing to happen to this season. Well, that and the fact that Bruce Wayne is there, but I mean, I'm biased in that. But Slade is easily. I mean, Bruce Wayne is really not really there. He's he's a cameo basically, so that doesn't really really count. He's there to me, AJ, so it counts. He's there. (laughs) 
Okay, fine. But no, I, I mean, I, I, if if Timothy did do Dick Grayson, I think he'd do an amazing freaking job. Like I'd have no issues with that oh, whatsoever. Anything he does, he'll do a perfect job. Uh, there's no that's my point. That. that that that's just my point, man. Um, I mean, a part of me was like, hell, make the kid Oliver Queen. I mean, you know, like <laughs> spice it up. Um, but yeah, I mean, we both we both can agree he's immensely talented, and he'll just do great in whatever you give him. Um, but all right, let's uh, let's move on. Hulu will now be official, the official hub for FX. Now, this frustrates me a little bit because if you're just going to swallow FX, I mean, I guess technically it's the old regime, but you didn't need to cancel Legion then. Like, if you're just gonna swallow it, just continue Legion. Like, just why, why, like, why not? Let it be its own thing on on uh on Hulu. Uh, but I maybe mean, I didn't want own Legion now. Well, no, Legion actually got. Well, let me not say canceled. It ended in its third in its third season, so it doesn't exist anymore. And I think to Disney, it's I mean, the does, doesn't Disney own the characters now though? Oh, right. Yes, yes, yes. But I think that's why they didn't want to continue the show because you're you're talking about a son of Xavier. And Xavier doesn't exist in their world yet. So, I mean, I get it. But I'm like, Hulu should be its own thing to where you just have shows that are maybe like the equivalent of what DC's doing with stuff like the Joker. Have your Elseworld be Hulu. Um, stuff that no, you don't exactly. really Maybe they're that whole. Maybe, maybe they will. Oh, right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm sorry. I, maybe I am, uh, you know, jumping it a little too quickly. Maybe they will. But I'm just saying a show like Legion would have been what you continue. Um, yeah. But, yeah, maybe they will. I mean, that's a very, 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 very good good point. But, um, T, I'll start with you. What, what does this mean to you that Hulu now is the official hub for FX? Bring back Daredevil. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. Bring back Daredevil. Uh, I didn't even think about the fact that if they were just going to swallow up FX, you could have continued on with Legion, although we don't know what's going to happen. Maybe they do. I mean, I heard insanely... I didn't watch Legion. I'll be honest with you. I wanted to. I just never got the chance to, right? But I heard some insanely good things about um, God, Harry Lloyd's uh, performance as uh, Professor X as Charles Xavier. So maybe you can do something there. It is interesting to kind of see that Hulu is going to be the official hub of FX. You just kind of wonder what is happening now with Hulu because, okay, they, to me, Hulu is like, it's an enigma, right? Because a few months ago we thought that Hulu was going to be the place where, uh, you know, Disney put all of their more adult Marvel content, but then they canceled Ghost Rider. I know Hellstrom is still going on. Is that Offenders still going on? Because I haven't heard anything about that. As of as of now, I think it's still a yes, but it very likely could be in the wind. Yeah, so it's like, what is necessarily... Uh, planned for Hulu, especially now that FX is, you know, being swallowed up by them. It is going to be interesting moving forward, especially with the launch of Disney Plus and how that goes, where the, if 
so much attention goes to Hulu and if they even decide to spotlight most of their content on Hulu. It's just interesting. I don't have really any major thoughts about it other than we are seeing very much a cinematic monopoly happening here. Um, And it's going to really, I think, shift within the next couple of years of what we are, you know, used to content-wise and what is happening now with, say, the old Fox and FX content. So all I can really say is, and this could also be a way of drumming up more popularity towards Hulu. I know people know Hulu. I have Hulu. But when you think about, say, the major, major streaming services, you're thinking of Netflix, you're thinking of Amazon Prime, and now, of course, with Disney+, Plus, HBO Max, Apple coming out, the attention on Hulu, I think, is a little more down. So this could be just a way to garner more attention towards Hulu and say, hey, you need Hulu as well because this is what's happening to it. Yeah, no, I mean – I'm right there with you. I I don't think it's necessarily that big of a deal because I think before it's all said and done, Hulu will just um, become purely Disney plus. Um, So, I mean, I don't think Hulu will last that long purely because I think Disney will just go, why are we paying money for stuff that could just be on Disney plus? Um, Well, I mean, but that that would suck because Hulu does come out with some great content, like documentaries-wise. They have uh, The Act with Patricia Arquette and Joey King is on Hulu. So Hulu has its own horror movies that it comes out with. So it would be a shame if they it then just decided to disappear and become Disney Plus because I don't think Disney Plus is going to have that type of content on it. So where is that type of content going to go? If you are Disney Like, yeah, you want everything to be family-friendly, but you do have characters in your comics that are more adult-themed. Where are you going to put them? Are you going to put them on Disney Plus and just have a, you know, parental advisory sticker slapped on it? Or are you going to use Hulu for that sort of purpose? Yeah, I mean, you make a very good point. I mean, a very good point. But I do think Disney is understanding that, they do need to make content that is different than what they've been doing. And I think depending on, I think once we see the Mandalorian and once we see these other Disney uh, plus series, these Marvel series, we'll have a better idea on how far they're willing to go with their content. Um, Because I don't think these shows are necessarily going to be PG 13. Um, So I'll be interested to see how far these shows go. Um, but uh, but AJ, what is Hulu becoming the official hub for FX mean to you? <laughs> if I want to be honest, I didn't hear about this news. <laughs> I didn't hear about this news until now. <laughs> um, all this business side of this stuff is just going over my head with Disney at this point. Uh, <laughs> so I I really don't have to pen- really have much of an opinion on this. Um. I yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> I, have, I have absolutely no idea. I guess I'll just agree with Tia on this one. Which is usually the the smart way to go. <laughs> it's good. It's good. It's good. <laughs> that is really usually the smart way to go. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, to me, it's just one of those things where it's like, it's a wait and see, uh, mainly because you've already seen Disney kind of start to act some of, um, Hulu shows, like, um, oh, why did I just completely forget their names? Uh, Cloak and Dagger and The Runaways, um, two shows that you could make a case were widely successful on Hulu. Um, but I mean, I think all that means is Feige just has plans for him, doesn't, doesn't want him on TV anymore, which to me... No problem. Maybe. At this point, at this point, yeah. Right, and I mean, who knows? Maybe they point. become maybe they become the new Avengers. Uh, maybe they come out with Spider Man, Kamala Khan. Um, hey, what about my old theory? We can have the new Avengers, the young Avengers. We can get what? We can get Silk. We can get Spider Man. We can get hell. We can get um, Miles Morales in that live action. Right, I, and I. I <laughs> What do I always tell you? Because you know what I'm going to say. What do I always tell you, AJ? I don't know. What? (laughs) You run, man. You can't get Miles when Peter isn't even an adult yet. Miles only existed when Peter died. That's in the comics. You can always change it up. (laughs) You can change it. You can change it. Juwan, you just... You were just saying before that it is okay to have certain adaptations of these different characters and that they are not going to look or act how we are used to them being. So you can have no, 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 no. Miles no, 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 no. exist. The reason why the reason why it was so special when Miles um took over is because Peter wanted Miles to take over as the only Spider Man. He trusted that kid to carry on the legacy. That all means nothing if not only are they the same age, but there's two Spider-Mans. No, no. Okay, I well, we're not gonna have, we are not going to have two Spider-Mans as soon as the agreement is done with Sony and um, and this. Oh, wait, then that screws my mind. Never mind. I, my point is null and void. Because I was like, I was like, my, yeah, my point, it's like wait, still Spider-Man. Is, I didn't really mean Miles Morales. My point is that we can have young characters coming into the MCU, so we can have like a young Luke Cage. I know you don't like that idea, but we can have that. We can have uh, what else? Who else? And I'm just drawing blank on Marvel characters. I'm getting I'm getting tired over here. Um, <laughs> we can have a young Silk. We have young Gwen Stacy. It just there's a lot of possibilities you can do. Um, we're getting what? We're getting blades so that can potentially have another universe, uh, aka another monster universe for the MCU. So that can happen. We can have Ghost Rider into that. Um, we can get Moon Knight in that. Const no, I just said Constantine. That's DC. I'm gonna stop talking today. There we Maybe go. Deadpool. Maybe Deadpool. But Maybe no, I mean, Deadpool can be in Hulu if they yeah. do, um, if it's mature. I, I, I do get the point you're ultimately trying to make. I'm just saying Miles meant a lot because it was the idea. Miles. Yeah, yeah, because I'm just saying it was the idea of the baton being passed. So to me, I want Peter to pass that baton. Um, like, I'd be, I'd be fine if Sony said, you know what, I want Peter Parker back, and Feige said, all right, cool, you keep Peter, I'll take Miles. I'd be fine with that. I could live with that all day. Um, but it's the idea I want of giving two at the same time. 
I want my Sony Spyro universe, animated universe. That's when it keeps going. That is uh, 100% must. And shout out to Spider-Verse that's coming out in 2022. Can't wait for yeah. that. Yeah, that's going to be huge, man. That's going to be so much fun. So much fun. But um, all right, let's move on to our final topic so we can close it out and get some rest. We, we, we've been talking long enough. Um, Scream 5 is in development. I don't know how I feel about this. I'd rather you reboot it, make it more modern, rather than taking a old story and making that modern. Just take, just develop it all, all new. Like I don't need to see Cindy again. I don't need. No, no. I, I've always hated that idea. Stop it. Redo it. Um, that's why I'm glad Chris Rock is redoing Saul. I like the last Saul that they put out, but it's like rebooted. Why am I still seeing stories of this old man that died eight movies ago? Like, <laughs> reboot this this universe. It's just getting old. Um, so, I mean, we'll see. I, I know the television series I, I thought was just purely garbage. It was, it was horrible. I put it right up there with that Blade series. It's just bad. It's really bad. Um, but who knows? Maybe it could be something that I actually enjoy. Tia, your thoughts on Scream 5. Uh, Scream 5, not Scream. Sorry. Not scream. <laughs> um, I mean, I watched the first Scream, so I'm not, like, that invested. It is, uh, listen, we say this all the time. We're in the age of continuations and new sequels and all that. So is it really a surprise that they're coming out with a fifth Scream, but as as you said, at this point, it's time to reboot it, right? Um, because we just, it was our first topic in this whole entire podcast, a new Invisible Man, and then we can get all these new type of horror movies. They, you know, they did something really special with Halloween in 2018. Maybe they're trying to recapture that, but at this point. I think that if you're going to bring back these, say, old slasher uh, fix, it's a uh, flick, sorry. Um, I think it would be better to reboot it. Like, I know this is a little off topic, but they had an interview with Robert England, right, who plays Freddy Krueger. And he said to himself, like, maybe I have one more movie in me. He was like, but you got to get a new person. You got to reboot it, you know, and reboot it right, obviously, someone who's willing to be there for a couple of movies. So just do a new screen, do a new modern day screen. Although I then did read that uh, David Arquette said that he would be interested to come back for another screen. So it could just be one of those things where maybe they were floating the idea around to some of the original cast members and they're like, yeah, let's do this. Let's get back on this. So I'm not sure how I feel about a fifth screen at this point in this era. You might as well just reboot it and do a new tale. Um, People might really, you know, gravitate to that more than a fifth movie. Oh, oh, and and they're, you know, they're coming out with a new Candyman, you know, so it's like reboot it for new generations. Just do it. Yeah, I, I just think, I think when you recycle, like it, it, it dulls the brand because if you recycle it too many times and then try to reboot it, the interest, I mean, I won't speak for the world, but speak for myself. The interest goes. Like, why am I still invested in this movie when I've hated what you've done for, like, the last 
five. Um, so I mean, that's why I'm like, before it gets too old, and it's been forever since we've had a Scream movie. So maybe doing a fifth movie to kind of wrap things up won't hurt. Um, but it just screams. Like, you guys ever see when, like, a boy band gets back together in, in, in modern day where, like, it just screams you guys want money. Like, you guys need money, and you're like, all right, the best way for us to get rich really quick, let's just go on tour. It's like, you don't – right, but I'm like, you don't – no one that was born in 2000 cares about, like, you wanting to do that. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, you know, maybe if you did a song with someone that that's hot right now, maybe you'll attract, you know, a few more fans that were born in, in the 2000s. So my point is, to make a story that we've seen before modern is boring. Take a story that we know and reboot it in modern um, is where you can kind of get more people kind of like invested. But what else can you do with Scream? Like Scream's not that interesting. Like it's the guy with a little small knife that it's like, all right, someone should be over, be able to overpower this guy. That knife is pretty small. Um, and like, he just, he calls and says, what's up? Like, I mean, what? Like, this is old. Uh, <laughs> um, but AJ, your thoughts on Scream 5? Do not care. Uh, screen one was good enough for me. Two, three, four. Yeah, <sighs> I just, I just really don't care. But Scream is basically Final Destination for me too. Um, they're just all the same things for me. Um, I, I do agree with you guys saying. Just reboot it instead of trying to continue continue the overall story. But sometimes, actually, I disagree with that a little bit because we do have Halloween, which is a continuation, which I thought was really good. That came out what last year? Was it last year that came that came out the Halloween? 2018, yeah. Yeah, and they're going to continue with that. So I'm actually enjoying Halloween. So. I guess people will enjoy Scream <laughs> Scream Five, but overall, I honestly do not care about this franchise at all to even worry myself about it. Uh, I once was... again, no, go on. No, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, once again, um, <laughs> I I didn't really even realize there was going to be a Scream Five until you just point you gave me um the news and all of this. Like what an hour ago, <laughs> so yeah. yeah, just doesn't really. I don't really care but for this, it. Does no, Scream I'm, even I'm, have? I'm sorry. No, go ahead, Tia. Does Scream even have the the type of um, you know, cult nostalgia that say like okay, Halloween 2018 works because. Everyone knows Jason Voorhees. I'm not Jason, Michael Myers, sorry. Everyone knows who Michael Myers is. There's been a ton of Halloween movies, and the fact that this kind of jumped off and, like, you know, really uh, annexed a lot of lore that had been thrown in there from previous movies and shit like that. I mean, is there even the following with Scream that, say, Halloween, Friday the 13th, and Nightmare on Elm Street have? No, <laughs> no. Mm-hmm. I'm being quite frankly. That's why you don't need a But to, I mean, but I I think that lends to the point of why Halloween was successful. Um, 
is because, you know, it, it's been, not only has it been so long since that story, that specific story, because we've seen a reboot with um, uh, Rob Zombie, um, mm-hmm. but it's also a cult following. People love Halloween. They love it. They love they love the themes, dun, 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 like they love that. Um, I don't know what Scream has. Like I, I think the coolest thing for Scream was when they did Scary Movie. Like that is what I thought made Scream cool. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I think more people would be excited if the Waynes came back to do a Scary Movie than you doing yes. Scream Five. But who knows? 100%. I mean, who knows, Tia? I mean, I've been wrong a lot. So knowing my luck, this movie will come out and be a box office hit, and I'll look like an idiot. So who knows? But well, I'll look like really, an idiot if that becomes a hit. <laughs> not really my cup of tea. But um, before we wrap this up, I did just see this um, this this one thing I wanted to ask you about, Tia. Me and you talked about this before, but it seems like Disney is putting in Avengers Endgame, uh, putting their bin for the Oscars. They sent in a few names. Um, have you guys seen the names? Tia, have you seen the names? I did not see the names, no. All right, so I'm spitballing here, but Robert Downey Jr., Chris Evans, uh, uh, why am I forgetting his name? Chris Hemsworth. Jeremy I. Um, Jeremy I. That's right, my goodness. Jeremy Renner. Scarlett Johansson, um, uh, the, who played Thanos. God, uh, why can't I think of his name? Josh, Josh Brolin. Brolin. Right, so you guys can kind of get where, where, where I'm headed with this. Um, those, those are some of the, the bigger names. Um, so my question starting with UT, and we'll wrap it up after this. Out of those names, or if anyone, anyone else you could think of in the movie, um, who do you think, who's the one person you think is most deserving of an Oscar nomination? You're, I think Chris Hemsworth. 100% Chris Hemsworth. Um, you know, just because out of that group, right, and I love all those people, except for Jeremy Renner, but I love all of those people, but I don't think that necessarily any of their performances were Oscar-worthy except for maybe Chris Hemsworth because as we've seen, I think, in Ragnarok, Infinity War, and Endgame, that he really had this, like, very interesting arc. And I know that we all laugh at the whole fat Thor thing, but when you really break it down and realize the emotions and realize what he was going through, throughout that movie, it really then became very impressive. So I want to say that if anyone gave like an Oscar worthy, you know, or at least, at least a nod, like a golden globe, you know, worthy type of performance, I would say Chris Hemsworth, just because I felt like I got the most emotions out of him, out of anyone else in that movie. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm completely with you. I, I don't think anyone else is as deserving of an Oscar um, nomination than Chris Hemsworth. I mean, if you if you really paid attention to not just that movie, but the arc of Infinity War heading mm-hmm. into Endgame, you just saw you saw what we should have seen in Thor one, two, and three, which is a complete arc for this character. Um, that's why. When it ended, it was like, if he's back in, in Guardians of the Galaxy, like, that'd be dope, but we don't need to see anything else from Thor, because you, you wrapped up his story very well, only for Feige to go, ah, we're doing another one. 
Um, but it was just so emotional. I didn't feel any emotion in that movie more than when Thor was talking with his mother. And he was trying to tell her, like, look, you're going to die today. Like, this is what you should do. And she's like, no, don't tell me. If this is my fate, this is my fate. Um, but and, you and know it was, what? Go ahead. I'm sorry. I keep interrupting you all the time. But um, to me, it was when, uh, you know, Bruce Banner, the whole as you know, Thanos, and he just kind of, like, grabs him, and he's just, like, pointing his finger, and you can see, like, you know, the shift in his personality where he was kind of being very, like, goofy and everything, and him, like, don't you mention that name. And you would just see how much it has broken him throughout the years that he was unsuccessful in truly defeating Thanos, and everything wasn't all right, because in Infinity War, when he's like, well, things usually, you know, turn out for the best. They usually work themselves out, and they didn't this time, and you could feel that. Yes, also in the uh, scene with his mother, but for me, that little scene always just stood out to me. And I think he lost the most. He lost his father. He lost Mm -hmm. his kingdom. He lost his hammer. He lost his brother. He lost his best friend. (laughs) He lost an eye. Thank you. Um, so I'm like, I, do we, does anyone, did anyone really experience more than Thor in this two movie arc? I, I don't think so. And I thought Thor, uh, Chris Hemsworth, I'm sorry. I thought he did an amazing job showcasing that. Um, I mean, I even thought something as subtle as when, after Thanos kind of blew up the Avengers, um, the Avengers tower or Avengers, uh, headquarters, um, and when he's like, uh, what's, what's he been doing? And he's like, nothing, just standing there waiting. And then he's like, well, let's make sure we kill him properly this time. Like, I, yeah. I love something as subtle as that. And then you see him suit up. Um, like, I just, I loved everything of that. I loved how he was willing to risk his life to build a weapon to defeat Thanos in Infinity War. Like, I just loved his arc. Um, so that's my guy. I, I'm going with Chris Hemsworth. AJ, who are you going with? I'm going with Robert Downey Jr. Uh, first off, I just, I just want to say for the overall MCU, the emotional impact each and every single character has has huge weight from Rocket's um, argument with Drax and um, Star-Lord, the rest of the Guardians of the Galaxy in the first movie, one of the most emotional scenes in that to... Um, Spoiler, Robert Jr. Robert Jr. Oh, my goodness. Robert Downey Jr. (laughs) Dying. Um, Peter Parker dying, even though we all knew he was going to come back. It was still, the emotion was really heavy when you felt that regret from not only Peter, because he was sorry, but Tony Stark in Infinity War. He just felt like, he just felt like he just what's the word? He failed Peter and not only did he fail Peter but he realized that he failed the entire world because um, from, even from um, what is it? Age of Ultron when he created Ultron he realized that he needed to build a suit of armor around the world and he knew he should have done it and he should have pushed more and then we, we all know what happened in the Civil War 
Cap and Iron Man got in a fight. Bucky got involved as well. And you can just tell from just the expressions on Tony's face when he realized that his, that his mother died and by one of his best friend's friends. <laughs> um, I just felt I just felt like um, y'all said that Chris Hemsworth had one of the most emotional arcs in the MCU. I I would contend that even Tony Stark had a even I guess I'll say on par with um, Chris Hemsworth. Um, I just felt like those two um, those two had like the darkest past the. Even though they hide themselves with either comedy or what's the word? Um, arrogance. Uh, yeah, arrogance. You can just tell the, these two characters are probably the most cocky characters in the whole world in the MC universe, but they also had the deepest pain throughout the MCU as well. And it's not even just the writing, it's the actors. So, not Tony, uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s acting emphasized that despair and that regret and all of that. And same with Chris Hemsworth. Um, so, I'm just going to, I'm going to go with Robert Downey Jr. on this one. Fair enough. I, I still will hold my, my thought of, I don't think he is deserving well, let me not say deserving, but I I, don't, I I wouldn't pick Robert Downey Jr. Only because if you were doing a Lifetime Award, uh, what he's done since 2008 um, definitely deserves to be rewarded. Um, what he's done and how he's been the godfather of this. Um, but I, I just, I, I felt as though Endgame was setting it up for Thor to die, not Robert Downey Jr. Like, if you, if you pay closer attention to that movie... The only emotional arc you get is from Thor. Like Tony's was a very happy one. Like think about it. Like he lost he lost Peter only for him to rebound. Uh you know, him and Pepper got married. He had a daughter. They were happy. Um and it wasn't until you saw Tony with his father that you were like, "Oh, this is an emotional this is an emotional mark." Um, and then in Infinity uh, War, that was his despair. That was his regret. That it, I agree with you that with um Chris Hemsworth, um Chris Hemsworth, that was his overall story arc in Endgame. But in Infinity War, you could feel that regret and re- responsibility that he lost to the villain, um Thanos. Right, but so it wasn't. It, him, wasn't until the, it wasn't until the end. Think about Thor. He got that regret from the beginning of the movie, all the way to the end. Yeah. Um, and he felt the personal responsibility because he had the chance to kill Thanos and miss the opportunity, and then the snap happened. So picture Thor losing his brother, losing I mean, his all, people. All the characters had that responsibility, from Peter Quill to Iron Man to um, Captain America. They all had but that not, responsibility. But not, like, but not like Thor. He had a direct hit that Thanos wasn't expecting, wasn't looking for it. Could have went for the head, um, decided weirdly to go for like the the shoulder area, um, but I'm just saying. I will argue that the blast from his ring, um, from his um gauntlet directed the blow, 
from his head to his chest. No, that's very fair. But I, I will say no one had a bigger emotional journey yeah. in those two movies than Thor. Um, no one had more pressure than Thor. No one lost more than Thor. Um, so that's why I'm like, I, I don't even see remotely how it goes to goes to Stark because I look at everything Thor went through and I'm like, this guy lost everything. And of course, people are going to say, well, Stark died. Yeah, no. Yeah. But to me, you could have done better. Like the emotional journey Thor went through is what you should have had uh, Stark go through. Um, I think we're, I think we're, we're talking about the character and not the actor. We're talking about like at this point, we're talking about the screenwriting at this point of like the character arc and not the acting of the person. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm still, I'm still gonna go with Chris Hemsworth then, because I mean, as yeah, much as I, as much as I love Robert, he was really good. Yeah, I love Robert Downey Jr. I mean, no one else can be Tony Stark but him. But as far as say like his emotional arc came say in Civil War. Um, to me, if you wanted to say give an Oscar nod to Robert Downey Jr., it certainly should have went to him, say, in Civil War. But as far as, say, Infinity War and Endgame, it definitely needs to go to Hemsworth. Or you can even say uh, Tom Holland towards the end of Infinity War. Yeah, no, I mean, Tia, I'm I'm right with you. We we've had this conversation numerous times. I'm right with you. And to me, the biggest reason why, honestly, if if I'm putting it in as a whole, I don't think anyone should be nominated for um for Endgame. Like seriously, because it's an ensemble. Uh, everyone together. You have the the ability to lend on the fact that um you know you're working with other with other great actors. I still to this day have no idea how um, Fox didn't make a push for Logan to be nominated. The fact that we oh, could be the fact that in a world where Robert Downey Jr. gets nominated for Endgame, but Hugh Jackman didn't get nominated for Logan, I'm so against. And I, I, a lot of people will <laughs> tell me like Nick did, it should be at a time, you know, by movie by movie basis. Don't go by, well, you know, uh, you know performance by performance but to me i just don't think it's fair and i'll forever hold that grudge if this does manifest <laughs> into an oscar nomination um because that's not fair i even would go as far as to say james mangled deserved a nod for uh best director that movie was oh, beautifully yeah. done it what was came out that year i don't remember what when logan yeah. came out it came out in 2017 Yeah, 2017. Okay, so in 2017, we had Baby Driver, Dunkirk, Get Out, Lady Bird, Shape of Water. uh, It was better than than Shape of Water. Easily. Easily better than Shape of Water. Not even even to be debated. Easily better movie. I think Oakja should have won Best Picture, by the way. (laughs) I... (laughs) I really want to to win that one. Well, out of but those, that's all Baby Driver should have won. I thought Baby best movie, but but yeah, Baby Driver was amazing. Yes, it was. Yeah, I love Baby Driver. 
Um, but all right, we uh we're we're rambling now. I, I think we can all agree <laughs> that um that sword definitely had a lot to work w- uh, a lot more to work with. So I mean, his name being picked would just make the most sense. Um, but I'm yes. Before we wrap up, can I throw out a bit of a controversial opinion here? Yeah. If we're talking about in the actors, right, and who deserved an Oscar nod, I'm not saying win, win an Oscar nod over another for Endgame, just specifically Endgame. This is going to be really, you guys are going to laugh me off the podcast. I would say Scarlett Johansson deserved it over Robert Downey Jr. Yikes. I'm just yeah. saying, listen, I'm just saying, because to me, I didn't get a whole lot of emotion out of, that's what I'm saying, I didn't get a whole lot of emotion out of Robert Downey Jr., say, in See, Endgame. That's, that's the problem with, like, a big cast movie like this. Mm-hmm. Um, for, I, I just count Infinity War and Endgame as one movie. That's why I'll say as, like, an overall character arc between both movies, Tony overall had the biggest arc over, over um, Scarlett Johansson. Over Scarlett Johansson, opinion. but definitely not, definitely not over Chris Hemsworth. I might have to rewatch both movies. I don't have Scarlett. I don't have Scarlett in there at all, mainly because she just didn't have a big enough arc. Like, the art for her was that one scene where she sacrificed herself. And to me, that wasn't big enough to merit an Oscar nod. Um, so, I mean, that's just, that's my personal opinion about it. Just It, it, it wasn't think, enough. It wasn't enough. Uh, to me, I think that's just trying to prove how, and this sounds bad because I love Robert Downey Jr. I love Tony Stark. To me, that I'm just, I pointed that out just to show that how little I think that Robert Downey Jr. for Endgame deserves an Oscar. Fair enough. I'm there. Fair like I said, I'm with you. Yeah, no, I'm with you. But um, we had a great show. AJ, I'm so freaking glad that you joined this, man. Um, I did want to give a shout-out really quick, Tia. Um, you Season 2 has been confirmed for December 26th. I cannot wait for that show. I I kind of wish they gave us a trailer. Um, but so I don't really have much to say about it because they very weirdly didn't give us a trailer with the poster. Um, but I did want to give a huge shout out to um, F This World um, on Netflix. That is one of the most beautifully done shows I have ever seen. Season one was a thing of art. Season two was a bit of a drop-off, but I still had so much fun with it. Um, I highly recommend watching that show. Um, very, very, very good show. Very emotional. Um, very what well written. Called? Uh, F This World, I think it's called. I think I, it's I think the, end of the, the end of the yeah, fucking world. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. That's, that's what it is. That's what it is. Thank you, Tia. I'm so brain dead right now. That's exactly what it was. Um... <laughs> Yes, beautiful, beautifully done show. So I highly recommend everyone t- uh, watching that show. Season two came out about a week a week or two ago. Um, so make sure you check that out. But also, as me and Tia were saying, make sure you check out season one of You, 
to prepare yourself for season two. I think it's really weird that you haven't come out the day after Christmas. I mean, I guess there's nothing better <laughs> to bring in the new year than a stalker, I guess. But sure, whatever floats your boat. Um, <laughs> oh, I have a shout out real quick. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Um, HBO. Um, make sure to watch Watchmen. Incredible show. Um, Regina King is incredible in it. Uh, what else? Uh, yep, yeah, that's about it actually. I literally just watched three episodes before I did my first um podcast, and I love every single second of Watchmen. So, best new show on television, easily, easily, no debate. Um, ooh, excuse me, but I uh we're gonna call it a night there. Make sure you guys stay tuned for Geeks Against the Grain this Friday or this week. Let's say that more specifically. This week, but hopefully Friday. Um, and an all-new episode of Geek Vibes Live next Sunday. Thank you, Tia. Thank you, AJ. And we will see you guys same time, same place next week. Peace. See ya. Mandalorian. <laughs> Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.